You've been sold the idea that financial independence is all about some number on your account statement. Or even worse, that you don't qualify because of where you started out. That's just not true. It's not about some well-kept secret of the wealthy. It's about finding the right information and knowing how to apply it. On the Get Ready for the Future show, we're answering your questions so you can start making real financial change today. The journey to true financial independence begins right here, and it starts with you. All day, every day, and in lots of ways, helping people find, protect, and share true financial independence. Welcome into the Get Ready for the Future show. It's John Shrewsbury in for Scott Inman today. My partner, Janet Walker, is here, and I was remarking that it's old time uh, again on the radio and on the uh, on the set today, because this is how this all started way yeah, back when. It, it started with the two of us and a couple of microphones uh, 17 or so years ago, and somehow they let us back in here to do it again, John. And thank God a professional like Scott Inman came, came along. along. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's we right. muggied it up for a long time <laughs> before we straightened that out. All right, so we're going to talk about lots of ways for you to become financially independent today. And we've got questions. We want to remind you that you've got an opportunity to get your questions answered. And all you have to do is grab that cell phone and text us, 501-381-5228. You can do that anytime, 501-381-5228. We know you have money questions. We know you want answers to those questions. All you have to do is give us a text and, and ask your question, and we could use it on the radio, and it could be the question of the day and you could get one of these really cool get ready for the future show tumblers that uh, they didn't let me drink from today because yeah. i don't know what the deal was i but don't anyway. know you don't get those pr- you're you didn't give us the question of the day that's uh, why. that's probably yeah. that's that's the reason why don't we get started here yep. we got some, we've got some good it. questions let's uh talk to uh matthew in fayetteville actually matthew's talking to us and he tells us that his net worth dropped 13%, approximately $200,000 over the last year, even after saving 30% or $75,000. Am I doing something wrong or is that just the nature of the current market? I know it's just it's just submitting my losses if I get out now, but it's tough. Talk me off the ledge. Matthew, so, what the heck are you investing in? <laughs> So, yeah, in all seriousness, we, we do need to ask that question because when it when it says, is this the nature of the current market? Like, what market are you in? Because uh, the, the S&P in the past 12 months is up about uh, just shy of 22 percent. I think it's 21.9 at this point. Yeah. And and so in all seriousness, uh, Matthew, we're we're really wondering, like, what are you invested in? Where where are your dollars going that you've seen it go down that much. But but then we, we do kind of want to shift this and say, even for, for people out there who are not Matthew, who are in this situation right now, people have been in this situation before. We've seen this movie before. And so we want to talk about, like, unless you're just in something that you just need to get completely out of, and we do understand the nature of locking in losses and all the challenges there, but unless that is the case... Let's talk about how do we deal with markets when they're ugly and what decisions do we make and not make at those times. Janet, I have to think in Matthew's particular situation, maybe he has been lured into some investment that he thought was going to do well and and obviously didn't do well Right. when a broad-based market-type investment might have done better for him over that period of time. But I think it's very important that, that, number one, you don't chase the hot dot. You don't look for that get-rich-quick 
uh, investment that might be touted to you by someone, anyone out there, uh, you know, a lot of people get lured by that. A lot of people really are attracted by, oh, wow, look at what this did. And it's not really probably going to do that again. So what you got to do is you got to have a very long-term perspective. It's really never about your net worth. It is about your capacity to meet your income need at retirement. And I think a lot of people lose track of that because they think that I just need to turn $1,000 into 2000 and then I need to turn two into four as quickly as I possibly can. And that's never a formula for getting financially independent. Well, and the other thing about net worth and, and why that's really in your retirement income planning, an irrelevant number. It is relevant in different topics, but not in your retirement income planning. If you think about it, your net worth includes things like the value of your home. Well, are you going to turn that into an income stream? You, you will have a place to live based on that, but is it going to provide income for you? So we don't really, it, your net worth, again, it is important in other conversations, but when we're talking about planning for retirement, it is way more, John, as you said, it is way more about the income than the net worth. Yeah, Matthew doesn't tell us how old he is. And, and frankly, if he's a younger person, uh, then a downturn in the market actually is an opportunistic thing right. that, that he could look at. But let's talk about this from the perspectives of someone who is ready to retire. I think that our Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process and the bucketing strategy that we employ to help people understand and navigate the vagarities of the market uh, is really appropriate to talk about at this time. And, and a great example of that is that we're about 15 years out from 2008. 2008 was one of the worst periods of time in our comp- uh, country's economic history. We had a big uh, downturn in the, in the uh, financial markets. We had a big downturn in the housing market. Uh, there was all kinds of financial upheaval going on in 2008. But since 2008 to 2023, where are we? Well, you look at the S&P 500, it's up about an average of 10% per year since 2008. And Janet, I think that is the key. Uh, in, in the last year, the Dow and the S&P have been up. And again, to Matthew's question, uh, if you're if you're not broadly invested in the market, then and you're highly concentrated in maybe a volatile stock or something mm-hmm. of that nature, mm-hmm. and we're just speculating here about Matthew's situation. But if you're doing that, then you're putting all all your money on red uh, on on the roulette wheel. Yeah, yeah. So when we when we look at John, the reason that you were talking about, you know, where we are since 2008, most people look at their investments as one pool of money and we really believe it is critically important to segment that as you get closer to retirement because there are dollars that you're going to use in the first five years of retirement that can be handled very differently than the dollars that you're going to use 10 15 20 and 25 years into retirement so retirement in terms of your investments it is not a stop sign you may stop going to work but you don't stop investing for at least some long-range portion because you don't need all of the money in day, on day one. So when you look at, like, again, going back to the example of where we are 15 years down the road from 2008, it's a blip on the radar. It doesn't really matter as far as, like, in 2008 what happened. And if you had been at that point, at the point of retirement, it would have mattered if you had had all of your eggs in one basket and everything was down 40% like the S&P was. But if you segment those assets, 
then if the segment that is more growth oriented is down, it doesn't even matter if you're already in retirement. So I, I do think it's safe to say, even though we don't know how Matthew is, is uh, really invested, I do think it's safe to say that there is not a significant amount of diversification or a focus on the the time segmentation. And again, Matthew, you may not be old enough for the time segmentation to be as important, but the closer you get to retirement, the more critical that really is. Janet, there is a, a kind of a close corollary to the fastest four minutes in investing that can be heard on the radio later in this hour. But if you don't subscribe to the fastest four minutes in investing, you can text FAST to the, word, uh, to the number 501-381-5228, the word FAST, to 501-381-5228. We talk about this in terms of that old story of the man who thought himself to death. And that's, I think, kind of where Matthew is. Matthew ought to maybe consider firing his financial advisor if he, somebody <laughs> recommended this to him and he's in this kind of shape with the market doing what it's done. And if you're your own financial advisor, Matthew, maybe you need a financial advisor. So, all right, so let's move on. Uh, of course, we've got your questions. And uh, the next question comes from Chris in Greenbrier, and let's uh, hear what Chris has got to say. How do T-bills compare to money market funds? Interesting question, Chris, from Greenbrier. Uh, T-bills are essentially government IOUs. Now, if that makes you feel warm and fuzzy, then, <laughs> then uh, you know, that might be a good thing. But, you know, T-bills are short-term investments in government debt and U.S. government debt, despite all of the things that uh, people may want to throw stones at it, it is still the benchmark for all yeah. debt in this country and around the world. And and we haven't said yet, I think it would almost go without saying, but it is interest-bearing. So yes. interest-bearing IOUs from, from the government. And then let's compare that to money markets. So money markets are going to invest in several low-risk assets, including treasury bonds, CDs, short-term high-quality corporate bonds with maturities that have like less than a year's time period. So very conservative investments that you're looking at. Um, but there is there is a difference in, you know, how these are, are structured. Yeah, money market accounts are not guaranteed. Uh, the T-bills are guaranteed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. But uh, money market accounts, while they invest in treasury uh, bills and things of that nature, they are not guaranteed, but they do have high degree of liquidity and they have maintained a pretty constant uh, net asset value, but money market accounts are not without risk. So that's something that I think is important to Chris's question. But Janet, I want to kind of expand on this just a little bit because the, the, the root of this question comes from the popularity of money market accounts today yeah. because interest rates have risen and it seems like that five percent is the magic number that's where everybody begins to go oh well let me get that risk-free five percent as opposed to this risky ten percent over here long term in the market and and i really want everybody to listen very closely five percent is not without risk it is simply a different risk you're exchanging market risk or your future ability or inability, I should say, to purchase. You're thinking about, the, the key here is to think about your purchasing power and what are the, what's the purpose of these dollars. Now, to be perfectly transparent, we have personally, you know, most of the team here at GenWealth has money in something like a money market or, you know, these days maybe even a savings account that's paying along the same line. So we have conservative dollars, if you will. 
but I don't consider that to be an investment. Right. It is it is savings. It is for the purpose of liquidity, not for the purpose of growth. And when you think about 5% that you can get in some of these money markets these days versus 10%, which is a good long-term average for like the S&P 500. So it, we've actually got a slide to show, if you're watching this on video, to show the comparison of the impact between 5% and 10% over a 20-year and a 30-year period of time. The key is it sounds like it would be a double difference. If I got 5% versus if I got 10%, I'd wind up with, you know, half as much money or twice as much money, depending on which side of it you're looking at. But here's the deal. If in both cases you invested $50,000 to start out with, you don't make any additional contribution. So it's just $50,000. 20 years down the road at 5%, you have 135000 well, you would think at 10%, you'd have 270. That would be your double, right? But the power of compound interest is going to add to that money even more. And so that means that instead of having 135,000, which you had at 5%, you would have 367,000. And John, if we go out another decade at 5%, your money market at 30 years in, all total, your money market would be at 223000 And by the way, that's assuming that you can get the 5% for the 30-year period. I'm going to tell you right now, I guarantee you, they're not going to stay at 5%. But assuming that you could get it at 5% that whole time, then you're at 223000 Where if you'd get 10%, then you're at 995000 So the difference between less than a quarter of a million versus almost a million is what you're looking at on a 5% versus 10% basis long term. Again, there is a time and a place for money markets, uh, absolutely. But it is more on the savings side than on the investing side. Yeah, and in the financial planning landscape, what you're wanting to use a money market account for are things that are going to be short-term purchases, uh, emergency savings, things of that nature, money that you're going to need liquidity for in the short term. It's really not a substitute for your long-term investments. It's not a place to hide so you feel better it's not about feeling, it's about facts. And, and the fact is, if you take a look at the long-term return of any equity-type investment like the S&P 500, the Dow, things of that nature, you're really going to look at a, a lot more return than the average money market account is going to give you. It's also going to give you volatility. And what you have to have to combat that volatility is education mm -hmm. and patience. And those two things working together will get you through the downturns of things like 2008 and uh, 2020 when we had COVID hit and all the upheavals that might go on in the market. Who knows what's going to happen with uh, all the things going on in the Middle East these days? Right. You know, we understand that there are things coming down the road that could affect your financial independence in some way or another on at least a relatively short term basis. But here's what you need to know. A money market account might feel good, but it's very likely not going to get you to financial independence. When you look at the compounding effect of an equity investment, and historically speaking, we saw that on the graph just a little bit ago, that's your ticket toward financial independence. More people have become financially independent through investing in the stock market through 401ks and things of that nature yeah. than they ever have 
saving that money in some sort of fixed income instrument. Choosing choosing to feel safe and feel good throughout the time that you're supposed to be investing for retirement is is likely going to cause you to feel broke in retirement. Yeah. Seriously. Um, so there is, you know, the, you've got to you've got to look at what risk you're taking on. Janet, I want to call attention to an upcoming workshop I said at the opening of the show. It's all day, every day, in lots of ways. We help you discover, protect, and share true financial independence. And we're doing that coming up at a workshop on November 7th. That is going to be a Tuesday evening in Conway. It is an estate planning workshop at the Max Events venue in Conway. Uh, you can go to getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash estate planning. We're going to have a special guest there, uh, Chris Rippey, a, a estate planning attorney in Conway, uh, is partnering with Wealth to put on this estate planning workshop. So if you're thinking about things like, who gets my money when I'm gone? How do I be sure that my kids don't blow through whatever money that I've, I've put together? How do I be sure that I take care of loved ones at the point of my passing, all of those things are things that are very important uh, that will be kind of uncovered in this workshop, free of charge. Yeah, avoiding probate. If you have a uh, if you have a special needs child, um, that is definitely an area that you know you need to be paying attention to and planning for. Um, I, I feel like John, it is very common. We see this all the time in in the clients who come in to Gen Wealth at the beginning of the relationship. They, when we ask them about estate planning, the response is, oh, yeah, I'm good. I've got a will. Let me tell you, if that's your answer, you need to go to this workshop because you are not ready. I, I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. You're not ready and you need more information. Let me ask this question. Out of all the people that you've met with over the years, how many people thought they were ready versus the were actually ready? What's the, the readiness percentage? I, you know. I hate to throw to I hate to throw out a number, but but I would say most people it, it's definitely over seventy five percent feel like they're ready, um, but the ones who are ready, uh, and I'm not even going to give a, a a percentage number. I would give probably fewer than a dozen of the people I've met with over the years, and I'm, I'm t- over two decades. Fewer than a dozen of them have actually been ready when they walked in the door because the rest of them had not addressed these issues with an estate planning attorney. And I have to tell you that even if you have an estate plan, if that estate plan is not properly funded, and that is a very specific Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. phrase, then your estate plan is just a stack of papers. And you really have to look at does it really, will it be effective at your death, right. or is it just a bunch of papers that your beneficiaries are going to be really frustrated with? Well, and even keeping it updated through the years. Yeah. Uh, when when my dad passed away, um, you know, things would have functioned okay if mom had not updated, but things will function better because she has updated them. Absolutely. So that uh, estate planning workshop coming up on November 7th, 6.30 p.m. at the Max Event Center in Conway. Go to getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash estate planning or text estate to 501-381-5228. All right, let's move on to Allie in Russellville. She's got a question. Allie says, how does rental income factor into retirement projections? I'm 34. Uh, Thank you for uh, being very studious and thinking about retirement at 34. and, and And bought a duplex before learning more about the right steps to take first. 
I also have my primary mortgage, about $100,000 left to pay on it. Would it be wiser to keep or sell the rental? That from Allie in Russellville. Allie is quite the uh, adventuresome uh, financial person here, jumping out and buying a rental property at 34 years old. That's actually really pretty cool. But I think that uh, before we jump into this, Janet, we want to to, uh, have a disclaimer that we're not recommending for or against real estate as a particular investment, especially bricks and mortar real estate like Allie's talking about. Right. So rental income is really a a different creature when it comes to retirement. And and I'll be transparent. My family has some rental property and, and I am a fan of it under the right circumstances. I am not a fan of it under different circumstances, and and it all kind of depends on how you're wired. Um, I'll tell you what I've seen as an advisor over the years. Many times we have seen people come in with, you know, they'll come in to help have us help them handle decisions about their traditional IRA, their 401k, etc. But then in addition to that, they tell us about the rental property that they have but most of them are managing it on their own. And they're like, I'm just going to keep it. I'm going to handle it. I, you know, So they are the electrician, the HVAC guy. That They do everything. They're the plumber. You name it. Whatever needs to be done gets done by the owner of the properties. And what I have always told them, and I usually get an eye roll at first, what I've always told them is right now that's what you're choosing to do, but there will come a day when you get tired of doing all that. And they're usually too young to hear me on that. And they're like, no, I'm just going to keep it like like it's permanent. I'm just going to keep doing it. And then there comes a day when they come in and go, I'm so over this. I'm never p- fixing another sink leak for the rest of my life. What, what do I do? And so many times they wind up liquidating the properties right. just to get out of it. I, I will say there is another way. You can pay property managers to handle those things for you. And does it cost you something? Yes, but it doesn't cost you your time and your frustration. It costs you some dollars, but that's it. And so anyway, there are different approaches to it. And we don't know, Allie, we don't know in your situation enough about your whole picture of like, where are you on your steps towards financial independence? And are you at the right phase where this is in sequence as it should be? Or did we jump ahead and get rental property when maybe you've still got some consumer debt that needs to be taken care of? Um, maybe you're maybe you're on track for retirement on your own. Otherwise, maybe you're not. We're really not sure about the full picture, John. Well, and I think that there is, you know, obviously some value here and and we wouldn't say go sell this because we don't know if it's a good time to sell it in your market or whatever the case may be. But I think it's really important that you have a plan. And I think that's where Allie is kind of drifting in her question is, as she says that uh, she wants to take the right steps first. And so the right step first is to have a plan. You can include that rental property in your plan, but it's not the plan. Uh, that is a, a big issue with a lot of people is they go get a rental property or maybe even a portfolio of rental properties and they think they've got their plan. And right. as you uh, most accurately pointed out, sometimes that plan doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And, and so mm-hmm. you've got to rethink that. So I think that there is really very much uh, a lot to think about, Ali, but we would say to you that the right first step is to have a plan and include that rental property in that plan you got a long way to retirement. You're 34 years old, and so you've got uh, a lot of 
maneuvering room here. I don't think that there's a mistake that you can make in this at this juncture because it, it certainly can be corrected over mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. if it was a bad move. But I think it is something that you definitely want to to think about. Now, Janet, let's also clarify that we use real estate investments yes. in our ready-to-retire process. So what we what we look at are things like non-traded REITs um, because it gives an investor an opportunity to be a real estate owner without having to fix the sink leak. Um, but it gives them some diversification outside of the traditional stock and bond markets. And not that that's all that there is otherwise, but those are the things that most people think about most often. And because of bucketing, as we talked about earlier, you know, having buckets of money for different time periods, we really like the opportunity that we have with real estate to be kind of that intermediate bucket. So it's not as short term as your ultra conservative, but it's not as long term as things that look more like the traditional stock market, like the S&P 500. So it's a good diversifier that we like. And again, we're not even even on what we're doing on the non-traded REITs. We're not making that recommendation to anybody out there who's listening. But just so you know, that is something that we often utilize as a diversifier. Janet, I want to go back to the advice that we gave Allie about having a plan. I know that can sound just rote from us, like it's just, oh, here they go again, talking about the plan. Look, there is nothing more important than you becoming financially independent, and you're not going to become financially independent in most cases without some strategy and some planning. Is it a bit of a hassle to do all that? Sure it is. You've got to get all this stuff together and come sit down with a financial advisor and go through things. It's just the rest of your life we're talking about here. It's not anything really important. You know, it's it, it really is just you need to make the time to to make that commitment. And having a plan gives you a shot at financial independence. Otherwise, you probably don't have a great shot. Uh, the planning process is something I think is very, very important. And it is so critical to and look, financial independence is so important that you really do need to invest the time to go through whatever the the you know uglies are of getting all that done. It's really not all that ugly, but people tend to think, oh, I got all yeah. kinds of things to do and everything, and it really yeah. is not all that painful. I, I think I think people respond to the thought of having a financial advisor meeting much like they respond to the thought of having to go to the dentist. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. <laughs> It's, no, it is not. It is not on the same list. We I'm go to the same you. dentist. Yeah, and we got we a great dentist, and he's and he's fabulous. But yeah. I, as much as I love him, I still don't want to go see him yeah. when I'm in the dental chair. But, not any fun. But it, anyway, the point is really, um, if you think about the purpose of this, you know, it is again to depending on what stage you're at personally, it is to help you discover, protect, and share true financial independence. And that is worth a little bit of discomfort along the way, but it's really not that, it, it, like you said, John, it is It is actually a very positive experience. We wind up doing a lot of coaching. There is zero judgment in that room, oh, you yeah. know, because you come in on your path wherever you are. And if you're at stop one along the way on one to a hundred, you know, if there's a hundred different places we got to stop along the way to get you to retirement and you're at the very first one. That's okay. We're going to meet you right there. 
If you're at 99, we're going to meet you right there. That's okay. So no judgment at all, and it's very educational. So we're walking through, like, this is where you are. Here's what the next step looks like, and here's what it looks like way farther into the future and some of the steps that we need to start taking to get you to that point. So it is very intentional. And speaking of opportunities for financial independence, our next question comes from a guy who's got lots of opportunity ahead of him. It is Marty from Boxite. Let's take a look at his question. He is a 45-year-old freelancer with an S corporation and wants to retire in 15 years, have $50,000 in savings, and now invest about $30,000 a year. What do you recommend? Well, Marty from Boxite, we uh, are number one. Congratulations. You're in a great Mm -hmm. uh, position to be saving a lot of money. And freelancer, I'm going to go ahead and and make the assumption that he is a solopreneur. Uh, He doesn't have any employees. He works on his own. And that is a great opportunity for you to save and invest a ton of money. I want to uh, introduce something that is uh, an old, old type of retirement plan. It's very complicated. It's kind of expensive to put together. But for the right person, it is very well worth it. It's called a defined benefit plan. Let me let me pause you for a minute, though, because when you say it's expensive to put together, I feel like probably a lot of people just tuned out. But expensive relative to what? Yeah, because, expensive relative to other types of retirement plans. But, but, when, but you, when you've looked at this, like in recent times, people have saved multiple times uh, the cost of the plan oh, in, in, in their taxes just right. on that given year. So yes, there is cost to it relative to other retirement plans, but overall, it is a significant savings. That's right. Uh, to give you an example, the last one of these that I worked for uh, worked on was for a client who had retired and began a consulting business. He made about $200,000 in his consulting business. We ran the numbers and he can shelter 120000 of that $200,000 from taxes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in the current tax year. It cost him four or $5,000 to set this thing up. The taxes on that $120,000 in his income bracket was going to be like forty-five dollars or $50,000. By the time you combine state and federal. Yeah, so the net net savings on yeah. this was still very, very good. A defined benefit plan is somewhat complex, and you have to have some specialists to sit down with you and get it done, but the tax savings alone is worth it. So, And not to mention the ability to use that to save a lot more money for your retirement on a pre-tax basis makes it a no-brainer. John, talk about, I mean, obviously we know from Marty, he's a freelancer, so, you know, this could apply to him. For other people who are listening, how do they know if they might qualify for something like this? Yeah, it, the bigger your business is, the the more expensive it is, not only in terms of setting the plan up, but what you've got to spend for your other employees. Right. So small businesses, small companies that have the ability to, actually take off and do some good things with mm-hmm. with what they're doing uh, i think that those folks are the 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 best uh opportunities out there i have worked with real estate agents i've worked with physicians i've worked with consultants i've worked with a lot of solopreneurs people that are just uh, you know one man banding it out mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. they do a really nice job in their work but they don't really know an awful lot about saving money on taxes and if you want to uh, kind of paint a picture of the proverbial sitting duck to yeah. the federal government, yeah. it is the solopreneur out there because you pay 
uh, taxes. If you're a high income earner, you pay a lot of taxes and then you pay both sides of Social Security. So you're looking for any kind of break that you possibly can get. And we have found that in certain cases, these defined benefit plans work out very, very well. Now, let me also say that there's a much more simple way to do some of this. The savings are not as great. Uh, the tax deductibility is as great, but you can't put as much into it. And that is an SEP or a simplified employer pension. That's just a different type of retirement program. Think about it as a jumbo IRA account mm -hmm. that a solopreneur or a small business can throw some money into. But there are always requirements that if you have employees, you have to do unto them in the same percentages that you do unto yourself. And so that makes the SEP a little bit more costly as far as the owner is concerned. But here's the key. We need to sit down and run the numbers and see what is best for you. It costs you nothing to, to just check it out. We can sit down and consult with you to take a look at what the possibilities are. And then the world is wide open as far as investments are concerned inside these plans. But the opportunity to save money on taxes is the real key here, Janet. And I think as you, as you go through this and, and look at it, I think our call to action here would be simply to have people to call us if they feel like that they are a candidate for one of these plans, especially if you are a solopreneur or you only have a handful of employees, we can run the numbers and see if it's beneficial. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. You're killing two birds with one stone. You're saving a significant amount on taxes, and then you're also able to move yourself forward pretty measurably in terms of your retirement preparedness. And I think a lot of you know, individual the uh, entrepreneurs who are just solopreneurs, as we say, are thinking, I'm going to work until I don't, you know, like they're just going to work and work and work and work and work. The reality is you got to be ready in case you can't continue to do that. So the sooner you step in this direction, the sooner you put yourself in a position where you can pull the trigger on retirement at your convenience. Wow. Nailed it. That was kind of Scott Inman-esque. <laughs> How did you do that? Marty's question is the question of the week, and uh, for uh, reaching out to us with that question, we are going to send along the Get Ready for the Future Show Tumblr to Marty. Thank you very much, and if you would, email us at show at getreadyforthefuture.com to be able to claim your Tumblr. And I guess that would be my, my final thought, is that Marty had a great question that I'm yeah. really pretty fired up about. So. Yeah. Janet, your final thoughts. So we talked on Marty's question about saving taxes, and I think another great opportunity, we didn't even really talk about the tax impact of your estate planning, but that is something that will also be covered in this estate planning workshop coming up on November 7th at 6.30 p.m. at the Max Event Venue in Conway. Uh, Chris Rippey is a tax and estate planner, does a phenomenal job for our clients, and is very, I have not thrown him something that he couldn't handle in a, a very long time of working together. And I think that you will uh, come out and get a great education and I think have an opportunity to move your family forward in building your legacy and being sure that it transitions well to where you want it to go when you're gone. All of our workshops are, are at no cost. And if you are in the Conway area or the immediate vicinity on uh, Tuesday, November 7th, 630, the Max Event Center in Conway, get ready for the future.com forward slash estate planning, or you can text the word estate to 501-381-5228. That's 501-381-5228 for the estate planning workshop coming up on November 7th at the Max Event Center in Conway. 
And that's all the time we've got for this week's Get Ready for the Future show. For the entire GenWealth team, for Janet Walker, I'm John Shrewsbury. We hope you have a great weekend, and we will talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the GenWealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, share the podcast with your friends and family. The GenWealth financial team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial.